Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. Soccer90.com is your source for all things U.S. national team, international club gear, international national team gear, and of course, FC Dallas and Major League Soccer stuff. They got jerseys, scarves, tees. They got a little bit of everything from all over the world. And you can always shop online, but don't forget, you can actually go to the physical brick and mortar store, which is right there on Main Street in Frisco, Texas, next door to the Hall of Fame. It's a wonderful place to go check out all the stuff. And because you're a third degree listener, you get 25% off all your gear when you order online and use the code third degree at checkout at Soccer90.com. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. This would be episode number 139. Hi, my name is Peter, and I'm back this week with our good friend Dan Crook. Hello, Dan. Hey, that uh, birthday celebration sounded like a real hoot. Which one? Because there was many of them. You had many birthdays and celebrations? Yeah, many. One birthday. Oh, <laughs> uh, just so many celebrations. All right, Mr. Mardi Gras. <laughs> no, there, it was a trip to Houston to go see the in-laws. That's what it was, Dan. It was, oh, I'm sorry. When your birthday's around Thanksgiving, it all kind of ball, it all gets balled up into one, into one thing. And it was a good time. We got there and back and all in one piece, so. Uh, that was my birthday present. Uh, hey, you and escaped of course, Houston, so it's a win. Yes, I did escape. I did escape <laughs> Houston, which uh, ironically is uh, filled with family and friends. Uh, amazingly enough, uh, and also, of course, your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder of Third Degree .net, and all that stuff. The amazing Buzz Carrick, come in, Buzz. Hi, Peter. Uh, I'm having a little trouble reading the uh, agenda today because it's a giant flashing colored lamp next to my computer screen here and it's making it hard to read okay oh is the light catching the crayon yeah it's the yeah. red on the crayons getting lost in the red of the machine this is buzz's passive aggressive uh uh verbal <laughs> cue for me to ask him all about his fantastic new what? monstrosity of a computer that he just received uh that everybody watched get built online how is the monolith well, it's it's pretty awesome so far, but I've only had it for a day. So, but I, I, the funny story about how badly I needed another computer is that I I clipped off the video of them building it, and it, when I, I rendered it out in Premiere, it took like eight hours to render out like a two hour clip. That's because my, my machine was struggling so bad. <laughs> the old one was. So, have you tried to do it on the new machine? No, it's uh, brand new. I just got Adobe installed today. The first thing I'm going to edit is going to be this podcast. So we'll see. All right. Well, if the uh, pod sounds wonky or if it sounds better, blame Buzz's new fancy, super cool computer. Uh, do you have to pimp them on the pod or anything? Do you owe them any no. sponsor time or inventory? Oh, okay. No, I, I paid them. But, you know, they do great work. If anybody else wants to know about it, you can just shoot me a message. It's definitely a cool idea. And uh, it does look like a, uh, a machine out of a sci-fi movie based yeah. on the... Oh, yeah, wait a second. This is the other thing we have to talk about, Buzz. Yeah. TikTok? Really? Aren't you a well, little old for TikTok? Oh, very, but I was probably old for Instagram. But, you know, I I, I try probably, I'm not an early entry guy or anything, but I try to adapt social media stuff for third degree that becomes big, 
you know, I'm, I'm late at the TikTok thing, but, you know, people use it. So, you know, I, I try to um, put our content on multiple platforms. I mean, I've learned over the years that everyone has their favorites, you know, and so like I'm repeating what we do everywhere and some people only get it on Facebook or some people only get it on Twitter or so. So, you know, why, why not TikTok? We'll see what happens. I have an idea. I have a yeah. great idea. Dan, you're going to love this idea. My suggestion is you take every episode of the podcast and chop it up into one-minute bits, videos, and you film attractive young adults mouthing <laughs> the transcript of that podcast clip. Is that what people do on While they TikTok? do fancy little hand dances. Yeah. yeah oh, it'll be, be buzzed yeah. during his, uh, his instant reactions while doing a dance. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't think I'll be dancing, but I'll certainly put the instant reactions on there for sure. Okay. I don't know. My, right. my TikTok feeds just like dogs and soccer. So, I mean, I don't get a whole lot of dancing on it. I only see TikTok when I see somebody else link to it on another like Twitter or Instagram. I don't have a TikTok account. I'm afraid to have a TikTok account, to be honest mm, with you. Yeah. I'm already social media enough as it is. All right. Well, what is the what is the TikTok handle for anybody listening to the pod unaware that you have an Ooh. aforementioned TikTok account and you've posted a TikTok video? Uh, third degree net, shockingly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm, pr- good I'm pretty branding. good at the unified, uh, consistent branding, unlike somebody else we could name. <laughs> uh, excellent. Okay. So uh, big news. And this is funny because uh, what day was it? What's today? Today's Wednesday. We're recording this Wednesday evening. I guess it was yesterday morning. Yeah. Uh, Buzz, you were you. I I think how this story kind of played out was you had the sources and information that FC Dallas was about to essentially cut a deal for a new coach. Uh, but you, being the good journalist that you are, and not wanting to burn sources and so forth, you held on to it because you didn't have everything nicely tied up into a bow. And lo and behold, before you knew it, other people were reporting exactly what you already knew. Yeah. So uh, I first heard about it from one of my people that, you know, uh, that sends me stuff. Um, Both the name and it was done. You know, it wasn't even like, oh, it's close. It's like, you know, the, the roots I'm hearing from stuff is not like from the front office. It's from other avenues and um i was like hey can i just put out that i'm hearing this coach done and, and they were like oh yeah sure go ahead so i did that and then you know within 10 minutes i think it was actually eight minutes later jeff carlisle um mentions uh who does follow me who mentions that um nico estevez who's the i'm going to tell you is the new coach here was one of the candidates that had interviewed and then the person who had told me the name in the first place in the meantime, of course, I'm trying to get confirmation from other sources. Um, the person that's, you know, sends me Jeff Carlisle's tweet and says, oh, look, it's out there. That name is out there. And I said, well, can I drop the name? And they were like, sure. So at that point, I was like, okay, I put, so like you, you'll see multiple reports now that it's like it's close or it's happening or whatever. Uh, the people that I'm getting it from are throughout the organization. So like for them to be telling members of the team or members of the coaching staff or whatever for it to percolate out far enough for me to hear about it is means that they're notifying the people inside the club that it's done it's happening so you know nothing's been announced by the team yet and and since 
uh, since Carlisle first mentioned the name, and then after I said there was a, a coach had been hired, and then I said, okay, yes, that's the name of the coach that's been hired. There's been four or five more people that have confirmed it. So, you know, it's it's done in short of everything, but then actually announcing it. You know, they didn't do it today. I'm sure that it'll be early next week, maybe, probably, before we'll hear officially. But, you know, this is the guy. It's done. Yeah, so if I'm doing my math right, it's been essentially 73 days since Lucci was sacked, and there's uh, 86 days before the season starts. That numbers, Those numbers are going to change, obviously, by the time Dallas gets around to announcing Estevez as the new coach. But it does feel like they were running out of time to get something done. But I also had this weird sense that this is a name that kind of appeared out of nowhere, Buzz. And, and not that that in itself means anything, but, man, everything I was hearing and everybody else was hearing and also just kind of we were all preparing ourselves for was the uh, likely announcement that Eric Quill was going to get the job. So I guess my question is, do we have any sense if this Estevez thing has always been you know, in the running? Did he show up late and win it? Or do we have any sense about how this came to be? No, not yet. I imagine we'll learn over time. Um, I, I actually have not been assuming it was going to be Quill. Um, I assumed it was going to be someone from the Hunt connections, but not from inside the club. I, I had gotten to the point where because it was taking a while, um, the, like the longer it meant, went, the more I felt like it wasn't going to be Quill. Because if it was going to be Quill, they would have just done it. Right. So, yeah. Um, you know, the, there is a school of thought, of course, that the longer they went, the like they're running out of candidates and maybe then we would have defaulted to Quill. But I, I wasn't feeling it that way. I was feeling like there were these other options because we were hearing things about, um, you know, for example, Ezra Hendrickson, we know for sure interviewed for the job because he said he did. So obviously they were looking outside the norm, at least to the point of doing interviews. So that that meant they were stretching themselves a little bit. Um, and this is a guy who's not part of their direct hunt family so you know there's still i'm sure a giant level of trust factor in the sense of like um organizational discussions with greg halter and the national team you know administrators and stuff like that you know i'm sure that marco and zanata and, and lucy when he was here was in touch with those guys all the time so i'm sure they were in touch with estevez and and probably he was probably put really quickly putting his his hat in the ring i would imagine um you know, when you when you add the Thanksgiving, if you consider the fact that they probably weren't very aggressively looking until the end of the season to give Marco a fair shake, and then you had the you had the Thanksgiving holiday in there, real in there. Really, it's only been like a, a less than a month that they were actively looking. Probably, so it is a short time frame. The problem is on the other end because if you want at least six weeks of spring training, that means you're going to have to have you know, camp open early January. So there was a definitely a time crunch too of, of getting it done. All right. Now, one of my favorite things about what happened in the last 24 hours is that if you, if you're a member of Buzz's discord uh, server, which you should be and get access to, if you're a Patreon member of a certain tier, is that correct? Buzz? I yep. always forget the yep. rules behind that. Yep. Um, uh, and it's and then also on Buzz's associated social media was the instant request for Buzz to help people know how to feel about this. So Buzz, hold on because I think yeah, that's right. very funny. Yeah. Because like because you know what I totally get it. Like when there's something that I'm confused by and I don't know how to feel, I turn to the experts. I totally understand that. But I'm going to give Dan first shot at this. Dan, how should we feel about Nico Estevez? Um. 
like you were expecting something really terrible for Christmas, and then you didn't really get anything at all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> that answer, I, the, the delay and the anticipation of that answer totally paid off. Thank you, Dan. Uh, do you have anything else to add to that? <laughs> No, that's, that's that's really it. It's you know that the whole thing is we're bracing ourselves for, uh, and you know no disrespect to Eric Quill, I, I just think he, if he got the job, he would have been put in a similar position to Lucci of, you know, not maybe having the conditioning in the the situation that would have given him a, a great chance of success, but then you you're talking about you know, all, all the possibilities, and it's this guy that hasn't managed a game in seven and a half years. Hmm. All right. So, Buzz, now we turn to you. How should we feel <laughs> that they've apparently are now going to hire Nico Estevez? Well, um, the thing that I would have been pleased about with Eric uh, Quill, for, let me talk about him first, is that um, I know Eric to be a very demanding kind of coach, a more disciplined kind of coach, more of a um, reticent, you know, terse, not long-winded kind of coach, and they're and the more demanding kind of coach, more like not like Shellis, but back that direction. And I and I feel like that quality would have been really good relative to Lucci. I think that would have been a nice swing back. Um, I do think Eric's very qualified. I, I think that in a couple of years, he'll be even more qualified. You know, So hopefully they don't get rid of him because I think he does a great job with North Texas in terms of progressing these academy kids and, and getting guys ready. But that's the thing I can't tell you about Nico Estevez. I know nothing about him. I've never met him. I've never talked to him. You know, I can look at his resume, so I could, can't even tell you like what kind of manager is he is. Is he is he demanding? Is he long witted and preachy like Lucci? Is he in your face? Is he gonna tell you you suck like Shellis? Is he gonna be very huggy and and emotional like Oscar? I, I have no idea. Um, uh, the things I do like are um, the bilingual uh, that he speaks Spanish and English, obviously being from Spain. Um, he speaks Spanish, of course, and I and I actually don't know that he speaks English. I just assume he does, since he's the national team coach, and they made a big deal about that. And he was in Columbus for multiple years. You know, he has a little bit of that quality of knowing the league because he was in Columbus since 2017. He knows the American player pool because he's been working with Bear Halter and the national team. So uh, we talk a lot on this channel about Zanata likes to give hires to first time coaches. You know what? He's never said that. You just look at his track record. Like everything else we do, we just look at their track record. Um, you're right. He does not have very much head coaching experience, just a little bit. And it was a long time ago. So you have to remember that um, the hunts play in the shallow end of the coach pool, just like this, they do everything else with this team. There's not as much money. You know, they're, they're not going to go get Bob Bradley and make him coach and technical director both and pay him a million dollars a year. They're not doing that. This job pays through stories anyway, that pays towards the bottom end of the league. So there are qualities to like, you know, I don't know where you're going to get much better than this at, with the hunts. At least they went outside the club for the first time in a long time. You know, so honestly, it's about as good as it possibly could have gotten unless Oscar would have been fired in Orlando, I guess. That would have been the only thing better. But it's like I can't, 
you know, it's it, yes, it's milk toast, and yes, no one's going to be like, "Ooh, yeah, exciting!" But like, what were they possibly going to get? The hunts, FC Dallas, that would be better than this. We've talked about all the problems with this job and why nobody wants it. Those things are all still true. I am eagerly anticipating Dan Hunt's announcement of this and the justification and all of the stories about how they passed up on, again, like the last time this went down, how they, you know, they searched the globe and talked to hundreds, if not thousands of people, some of which had European and Champions League and World Cup experience and so forth and so on. And somehow they ended up with this guy who, like you, I, I, I mean, honest, I've heard his name because he's been an assistant with the national team, but I know yeah. nothing about him. And in some ways, that's kind of, you know, uh, this is such a weird, uh, a weird result to this, um, uh, to, to, to the, all of this, because we anticipated one of two things. Either they were going to go with somebody that we knew that was really green, um, or they were going to bring in somebody we knew nothing about from South America. And we kind of got a little bit of both, didn't we? We got a guy that's relatively green, but we also know nothing about. And then I also come to wonder, this all leads me immediately back to thinking, what must Luchi Gonzalez be thinking right now? Because they've now replaced Luchi Gonzalez with a guy with less managerial experience than Luchi has in 2021. I mean, Luchi has two and a half years of Major League Soccer experience under his belt. So when they got rid of him, at the towards the end of this past season, you would think the the thinking inside the club is, uh, look, we gave this a good try. We gave a guy with no experience or little experience a shot, it, but we really need somebody that knows how to handle these situations. We need to, you know, do something different. They kind of just came back and did the same thing. It's like being a, a a guy that gets drafted as a rookie quarterback and started for a couple of years, and he just can't do it. So they trade him off and they replace him with a another rookie quarterback. Well, he does have two years coaching experience of adults, which puts him ahead of Lucci. You know, when Lucci was hired, it puts him even with Lucci now. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, well, Lucci's, okay. Lucci's a pragmatist, right? He's I, he's very preachy and he very much likes to get people to buy in and everyone be positive, everybody be on the same page. But he also is a realist in the sense of he talks to players. You heard Tanner Tessman talk about this. He talks to players all the time, like in this business, you got to be ready to be done any minute. And we'll get to players later that just got let go. You really do have to be ready any minute. Uh, he and I, Lucha and I talked about this all year, actually. The idea that like he coaches in the moment because he knows that any given time at the end of the year or even during the year, he could be out of a job. And he knew in any minute he could be out of a job. So he was certainly prepared for this, Lucci was. But isn't the weird twist to this story that it appears that now they're essentially exchanging jobs like Lucci's going to take yeah. his gig of the national team. And this guy's taking Lucci's gig at Dallas. Yeah. I, I checked in on that. It's not done on Lucci to the national team, but it's very, very close. So yeah, it looks like entirely possible. I mean, listen, I, I think that there's not a direct swap here. I think that once Dallas is like interested in this guy and they're bringing him in, then the national team's like, Oh, we need a coach. And we knew they already were talking to Lucci about the U 20s. He turned him down. And I've mentioned before that, um, Lucci knew that maybe like an assistant on a, on a, on a senior team was like a good place for maybe him to go like an MLS, if he couldn't land a head coach job. And that's the same thing with the national team. I like Lucci being an assistant coach on the national team for his personal career. is I sure. think a really good move. He's going to learn tons. So I, you know, I know it ends up being a swap and it's, I don't think it's really, that's not really the way it is, but it's going to look like that for sure. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, and let's also just clarify, his pro coaching experience is limited to a lower, is it the Spanish leagues? I can't remember which one. It's a, yeah. Dan, you the, probably the know better two. than I do. Huh? Yeah, he had a couple. Uh, he, he came through uh, Valencia, so um, Matt, he, you know, he coached in the academy, took the senior academy team for two years, and then he had a season with uh, the B team in the third division in Spain. Okay. Well, that uh, that Hurricane Valencia, right? Wasn't were they in Segunda B? I thought. Yeah, that's third division. Oh, is it? Oh, I it, thought that was the second division. It, oh man, is it? Is it? I thought it was third. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, who knows? Dan, you're the one from over yeah. that part of the world. Is it third division? <laughs> uh, Segunda B is third. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, oh. because well, it's called La B. Then. That's dumb. Well. Because it's technically La Liga is two leagues, is two divisions. Yeah, League One is third division, and then Segunda is below me. Buzz. <laughs> well, that one I knew. <laughs> that's just as dumb a name, by the way. I know. I'm with you. I'm yeah, 100% no, no, that, with that's, you. That makes perfect sense. They also oh, say yeah. the basement is floor one over there too, so I don't know the first yeah. floor, so I don't get yeah. that either. No, we, no, we call it the ground floor. But then you call the ground floor the second floor. No, the ground floor is the ground floor. No, the ground floor the is the basement. Is the basement. No, it's lower level. Okay. All right. oh, I'm so, so confused. It is. It's very confusing. You're, you're, I, yeah. look, we, we don't have superstitions to skip the 13th floor, okay? Well, that's just... That always weirds. That's just smart architecture. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Now, here's the thing. If I am excited about it... And let's just put all experience and stuff aside... Um, I, I am interested in the fact that this guy uh, is coming out of Burhalter's system and coming here because, Buzz, I think out of all of this, you have the most fascinating theory as to why the Hunts hired this guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think this is a peppy hire. Yeah. I mean, you, you could say this is like just in general the methodology of the FC Dallas loves that their players get to the national team. So you could include all of them. But I think this is legitimately a Ricardo Pepe hire. And I'll explain that. Like, let's pretend for a second that Ricardo Pepe was LeBron James in stature, you know, prime of his career. And you're trying to keep LeBron James. You go to LeBron James and you go, LeBron, who do you want to coach this team? You tell us who we want, we'll go get him. So let's put think about Pepe in those terms for just a minute. Pepe, we want you to stay. We're, we're doing our whole campaign about you saying you're going to give us one more year. I know you're worried about the World Cup team and all that stuff. You know what? We're going to go get you Bearhalter's assistant to be his right-hand man, to be your head coach just for this year for sure. So you'll be a lock for that World Cup team. What do you think about that, Pepe? Would you like to stay now? And you can include, of course, Jesus and Paxton and kids coming up through the academy and all that stuff. I honestly think that this this hire might be mostly about Ricardo Pepe, as crazy as that seems. Step back and say, "Hey, sorry, we fired one of Berhalter's closest people in the game. We'll replace him with one of his assistants instead." Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know, it's there. I love that theory because we've been talking about for a few weeks now and kind of laughing and guffawing over 
you know, these uh, these repeated apparent public appearances or public acclaims by Dan Hunt that, you know, they're going to keep Pepe, that they're going to do everything they can to keep him and have him here for 2022. We all have talked about, man, they are running a thin line by putting his face on all of their 20, uh, 2022 season ticket sales and promoting him for next season. I mean, all they're, you know, all they're doing is lining themselves up just to piss people off, right? Because everybody's going to get attracted to going and getting excited and then he doesn't actually show up and it so it does you start putting those things in line with each other and you begin to wonder holy crap maybe they are really trying to figure out a way to have him here next season as absolutely as, as insane as that sounds well think about it from their point of view they've never had a player with that kind of hype They've never had a guy get them free publicity like Ricardo Pepe gets them free publicity. And if you're trying to take advantage of the World Cup coming here eventually, and you're trying to take advantage of building uh, a fan base without spending a lot of money, has there ever been a guy that could do it for you like this guy? So if you can convince him to give you one more year leading up to the World Cup, the value of that intangibly without having to spend any money is immense. So I can totally buy them being like, we have to do everything we can to keep Ricardo for one more year. I totally believe it. I'm not saying they're going to be able to. I'm just saying I totally believe that they really want to. So I, you know, I, you know, like you guys, I heard the name and I started, you know, reaching out to people that I know in soccer circles around the the country. And in, if I got one consistent piece of feedback, it was that players really like him that he's a guy that players really respect and like, which I, I think is a really, really good sign. But it does make me wonder if they're hiring a guy that essentially, like, again, let's just call it a wash in terms of experience between the two. Um, he's actually younger than Lucci somehow. My question is, is he different tactically from Lucci? Do we know anything about his tactics? Well, if you look at um, Columbus and you look at um, Bear Halter with the national team, I think it's um, – and, Dan, you can jump in on this if I'm, if I'm out of line, but I'm pretty sure it's a 4-3-3, but more like the U.S. Um, team single pivot 4-3-3 with a double eight look, which is what I particularly want FC Dallas to play. Now, as we go forward, we'll talk about what that problems that may cause for this team, depending on who you keep or don't keep, but um, it aligns with – the way the FC Dallas entire system runs from the Academy all through North Texas to the first team, they run four, three, three. Most often they run the single pivot four, three, three. It's not till they get to the first team that they often shift to the double um, under Lucci and um, it, it, a lot under Oscar too, for that matter. And Marco did the same thing, but um, I would actually prefer a single, but the problem is to do it. You have to have a dominant six and they have not lately since Grezzo left. So um I think it aligns really well, actually, with the organizational philosophy. All right. So here we are. We kind of know who the guy is. We don't know much about him. Um, we uh, kind of know his background, and, and we maybe even have a theory as to why they picked the guy, because maybe it helps them in the effort to keep Pepe. Uh, I guess the question is, do we have any sense that there's any changes on the horizon in terms of what Zanata and Dan and Clark Hunt are thinking about? in terms of spending and lining up the proper tools to let this guy succeed? Or is he essentially in the same boat Lucci was in? I would imagine that he's in the same boat Lucci is in. Um, I, I feel like, you know, they've, they've just, we're going to get to this in a minute, jettisoned a bunch of these 28 year old signings that we talked about was so different 
coming into last year, how weird it was. Remember we talked about, there was like, all of a sudden there's this double methodology happening. It doesn't make any sense, you know, and, and at the end of the season, they did, they did complain about playing too many kids, but at the same time, they also raved about Shun and the under 22 initiative and how they want to take advantage of that. So I, I think there's still a, I think the, I think that we're going to get more back towards the idea of playing the homegrowns that are established and maybe not the ones that are 17 and playing uh, and trying to capitalize on this U22 kind of initiative where, you know, which is where they've struck gold before uh, Barrios was, I think came here at 21, I think um, uh, Fabian Castillo was 18, <laughs> you know, Diaz was 24, that's not under 22, but that's still relatively towards uh, b- below the prime of the career. So I feel like they're going to lean back that direction um, based on the comments they're making and based on the players they let go. So we'll, but we'll find out, won't we? You know, uh, Dan, do we have any sense as to whether any of the coaching staff will stick around, Drew and Lucene and those guys? I mean, I think you've you've got to assume that they'll uh, specify that Lucene and Drew will stick around because of just how highly thought of they are as coaches, even outside of FC Dallas. Hmm. Uh, uh, Buzz, have you heard anything about that? Yeah, not specifically. You know, I I think that the coaches that are there are all probably wondering the same thing. Um, There definitely are organizational coaches, you know, guys that they've been grooming. And you can include Quill in that conversation too, Lucene. You can include Michelle, uh, who was Quill's assistant. Um, No way they're getting rid of Drew Keyshawn. That guy's highly thought of around the whole league. Uh, the goalkeeper coach, you know, that he's just very, very top tier. There's no question about that one. But, you know, Chewy probably will still be around in some kind of role that he is now, which is this development of homegrown's kind of role. So I, I imagine that um, Estevez will get to pick his own staff. You know, he'll get some of those guys as options, but the organization will also take care of some of those guys, you know, that have been like if Lucene's been here for quite a while now, let's say just for example, I have no idea. That SFS says no, no thanks. I, I don't. I, I've got a guy I want to be my whatever instead of Lucene. Well, they're just not going to say okay, thanks, Peter. Hit the road. They're going to say, oh, you know, we could open up an academy job for you. We could, you could go down to the first and you'll sell one, or you could be something, something, something. You know, now some of those guys may balk at that and say, no, I'll look for a first team staff job or something. You know, so you may not see all of them retained, but they will try and protect their guys. Like even Marco, you know, Marco has a job still. You know, uh, whether Marco will stay or not is up to Marco probably more than it is the organization. Mm. Yeah, well, he never was out. He was never at risk of losing his job in the first place. That was all that was made clear by Dan Hunt when right. they assigned him as interim. So he didn't have much to lose. You, and you can tell when they got rid of Lucci, the ones that they felt what I mean by organizational hires is the ones they kept and the one that was Lucci's buddy. You know, they let uh, Mikey they let go with Lucci because he was Lucci had brought him in. And so he went with Lucci or maybe he's told them if you get rid of Lucci, I'm leaving with them. You know, that may have been his call rather than organization. You know, he may have stood up for Lucci for all we know. So, all right. So before we move on to the other news of the week, I I just want to kind of put this in a tidy bow as to how we feel about this. Like, are we excited or whatever? And and my rea I'll just start with me. My reaction is it's, it's kind of like I said earlier, it's this weird mix. It's, I'm I'm I have no idea who this guy is. I know nothing about him. Um, I don't know if I should be excited or not, but it's essentially just based on what I do know and what I've read and what I've heard. It's kind of what 
maybe unsurprisingly exactly what I expected in terms of an announcement. Dan, how do you feel about it? It's it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really interesting preseason because ultimately we don't know. You know, we're talking about the idea of maybe he'll be a Berhalter clone in style because he's been assistant of his for, what, four years? Well, you know, he's also been in the, you know, he's also been on the staff under guys like uh, Claudio Ranieri and uh, Rafa Benitez at, at Valencia and, so we don't really know the full picture of his influences and, and how he wants to play. Obviously, you know, we saw Lucci want to take a different style from Oscar and say, hey, we can be a, a Guardiola, Klopp-like team. Obviously couldn't. But, um, you know, there's going to be a weird mesh of the players that Zanotta brings in and the style that Estevez wants to play and can coach. Hmm. Buzz? No, uh, oh, sorry. Dan, were you not done? No, no, no. I, I was just uh, filling space there. <laughs> yeah, well done. Buzz, how do you well, feel? Yeah, well, I, I think it's in, uh, intrigued, I guess. You know, I, uh, given that I was um, expecting something, you know, more like an, an American coach that had been in their system somehow, you know, but you know, like a Quill, who I would have been fine with, or like some other coaches who I off the top of my head I'm not thinking of any, but that I might not have been fine with. I'm at least intrigued by this guy in the sense that he is from outside the system. And it's a, we've been everyone's been clamoring for that. And we've talked a little bit about this organization maybe needing a little fresh ideas. I was speaking more about it at the Academy than I was the first team, but you know, there's at least some intrigue there in, in the sense we don't know what we're getting. We don't know what kind of coach this guy is. I will say that I believe he's responsible on some level for finding uh, Giannis Musa and bringing him here, who plays at Valencia. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, that was the other thing I got consistently back was is that he may, he may have single-handedly been the person that got Musa to yeah. play for the national team. I mean, even if he didn't like know the guy, even if like it wasn't like personal, if, even if he just identified the guy, well, that's pretty damn exciting. I mean, that kid's legit world-class, right? So... If you say he's single-handedly involved, well, dang, that's really exciting, that idea. So given given the scenarios we talk about with this club all the time, the budget, the fact you know that Zanata's picking most of the team, the fact that you're now going to come in and you're going to have – when you figure the Christmas holiday and New Year's in there, if, you, if you're lucky to get a, a week of real work in between now and the January 1st, and then you're going to have camp open like a week later, I mean – the chances for this guy to really impact much at all going into January training camp, whatever it technically is going to start, he's going to have to be on a whirlwind of like six weeks of evaluating talent and, and putting a team on the field. So it's going to be a crazy spring training, frankly. Uh, and for us, of course, that'll be fun, intriguing, exciting. You know, hopefully we'll get to watch some of it, um, you know, in, in this still crazy COVID era, whether we'll be able to, if they're staying here or going somewhere or whatever that is. But, um, you know, the Musa thing makes him, oh, well, makes me open my eyes and think, well, given the circumstances, we could have done a lot worse here, frankly. You know, yeah. I was expecting a lot worse, frankly. It's kind of yeah, interesting because well, the Musa thing sounds like, I mean, they weren't, at, they obviously weren't at Valencia at the same time, you know, Musa was 
kind of a highly touted name with Arsenal and then coming up through the England age groups. But even if it's just somebody Valencia's like got on the phone to him, it's like, hey, this kid's really good. If you're working with the US now, maybe you want to look at it because he was born in New York City. See if he'll switch. Well, that's a good contact to have because that's the same contact that picks up the phone and says, hey, we've got this crazy left winger. He's not going to make Valencia's first team, but I think he could do a job in MLS. Yeah, that's the interesting part to me, too. Uh, although I will say if I have a concern about a guy who doesn't, you know, I'm going to guess that he doesn't have his own staff necessarily and he doesn't necessarily have his own process in place, getting a guy this new and uh, and in that particular role with the with such a truncated schedule in front of him before the kickoff of the season when you also bound in all of the holiday time that's coming in there, you just – you would think that if they had hired a guy that had all of this stuff already prepared, staff, process, uh, and execution in place, getting the season kicked off would have probably gone a little bit more smoothly. That's my one concern about this guy is he's trying to start a new season while he's still figuring out how to start a new season. Can I, can I be a cynic for a second? Yeah. If you're, if you're Zanata and Please, you're like... Please, I hate being the only one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Uh, if you're Zanata... That's my and, job. Yeah. And if you're Zanata and you're like, I built this team, I just need you to coach it, right? Then this is the kind of guy that you're like, dude, just show up January 1st. I'll, I'll have a team for you. You know what I mean? I'll have a staff for you. So I, I can see how, you know, like if you feel like your organization's in place and your roster's in place and you just need a coach then you can open yourself up to a guy like this that doesn't have any of those. Like, let's think about it like, just as an example. If you'd have hired Bob Bradley, right? How would that have gone in terms of like, he would have wanted to remake the whole thing. So, you know, this well, guy has a, to be like... Well, but if you had hired Bob Bradley... I, 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 here, well, they're not going to, but yeah. Well, no, no, no. Let's, let's play that out. If yeah. you're hiring Bob Bradley, Bob only takes this job because he probably likes the roster and wants to make a few tweaks and has some sort of agreement that they're going to execute some trades or purchases or sales or whatever, right? Yeah. But Bob shows up with a plan, like a plan that he's been doing now for however many years across however many clubs and however many nations he's done it in. This guy hasn't done that yet, right? Yeah. Like he, he wants to build a house, but he's never built a house before. So there's a whole process of learning how to build a house that this guy doesn't possess necessarily. And that's the part that I that just again, it's a concern. It may it, yeah. on my part, he may take um, Burhalter's process and just repeat it here. For all I know. Yeah, the, the, I, I agree with you. That definitely could be a concern. That's what you would hope is that being involved with the crew as this, whatever they called him, that director of methodology or whatever that means, you know, and then he was, <laughs> that's the most, by the way, that's the most major league soccer yeah. coaching title of all time. <laughs> yeah. And, and then they made him a full assistant coach and then he was a national team assistant coach. So like you're hoping that he's been absorbing all those ideas, you know, and probably learned something from when he ran that uh, hurricane team, you know, and hopefully he's learned some of that when he was the Valencia B coach, you know, just like you would hope that guys like Quill, and Lucine are learning those things, guys that might be candidates for this job again in three or four years from now. So um, all you can hope for is that they've been doing that, you know, and, and, but, you know, we talked about before, Zanata loves these first time head coach guys. So, you know, I, I, it all could be part of it. And, and I agree that that's absolutely a concern. The, the lack of first team management on the resume is definitely the concerning part. This uh, well, something else I found a little interesting and, he didn't have a playing career or any time either. When we talked about uh, when Lucci was hired, 
you know, Lucci, uh, well, sorry, after Quill was hired, well, you know, Quill had like a solid playing career, which Lucci had a, you know, a decent playing career. The player's really going to give him the time of day. Um, you know, some, well, more of the senior players going to give him the time of day because you have those coaches that's like, you know, they can jump in and just be a part of training and not skip a beat. And then you kind of have these guys that... Jose Mourinho kind of in his early days before he won his first Champions League where they're just not taken overly seriously because it's kind of like, oh, you backdoored into the game, cool. Well, then that, I guess that's what these types of jobs are for, Dan, right? Unfortunately, we all love a club that is pretty much a stepping stone for guys like this. So if he wants to prove that he can coach without having the playing career, that's what FC Dallas is for. You know what's funny about that is that there there have been times too where players see a coach that wants to jump into the training and like and they're like, dude, get the hell out of here. You know, it's like, don't <laughs> stop being stupid. You're nowhere near good enough to play with us anymore. Go go stand over there on the side of the field. So you know, I think that like the point of that is that you get pushback when you're mad at the coach. But it doesn't matter what it is he's doing. If you're pissed at him, if you think he sucks, then you think that no matter what. It could be you think he sucks because he tries to try and get in. I can think of a guy named MJ that was a big example of that, or it could be like that he doesn't even never played at all. But you know, there's a lot of great managers in lots of sports that didn't even play at a very high level. I don't think Ferguson played at a very high level. You can look at baseball. There's lots of baseball managers oh, that never Ferguson. played at a high level. You know, you can look at, um, there's lots of dudes well, that arena. didn't play. Bruce Arena is a Bruce great Arena example. played like some crap college ball, I think. You know, it's like semi-pro or something. You know, there's lots of dudes that never played, particularly in this country, because up until 20 years ago, we didn't have it at a high level. <laughs> you know, we didn't have anybody. Yeah. So our best coaches are never played squat, you know. Well, I am very much looking forward to the announcement uh, presentation because I'm wondering how much preseason starts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, yeah. Just to build in the excuse of, well, we didn't have a lot of time to prepare. I, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll make the announcement during a critical Dallas Cowboys uh, Sunday afternoon game or something like that. <laughs> hey, but, you stole that from the Discord server. I did? Yeah. <laughs> so oh, someone I actually asked it. No, oh, okay. Well, uh, well, what I will also say is, is I will predict now that we will be able to take the transcript of Dan's uh, speech from this and compare it to the one when they announced Lucci, and we'll mm. be able to overlap them, and they'll be almost exactly the same. Oh, yeah, yeah. Same script. Yeah. yeah. Frax83 said, what are the chances of a special announcement during the Cowboy game at 7.32 this evening? <laughs> well, my apologies. I didn't know that, but uh, great minds think alike. <laughs> Uh, the other news this week and uh, is the fact that it's that time of year where Major League Soccer teams get all brutal and they start cutting people and Ooh. re-signing people. And, man, it's a harsh game. Can you imagine losing a game on penalty kicks and then finding the ne- finding out the next day that you'd, you've been shit-canned? Yeah, um, golly. Or lining up. Here's the other one. Lining up to take a penalty kick knowing that you don't know what your status is going to be next season. Think about that. Yeah. Uh, which team was it that told players before their last game? <laughs> okay. Oh, that, yeah. What I don't remember who was it was. It? Was it Vancouver? Somebody did that. No, no, no. It was a team that was out of the playoffs. Was it Chicago? Uh, it could have been. I can't remember who it was, but it was definitely this year that they told their players. And like one yeah. or two of them were like, yeah, I'm out then. Chicago <laughs> and Miami were the first two, so it would have been one of them. 
I think it was Chicago. I think Chicago told players before their before the game whether they were in and out. Yeah. And uh, you know, I you know, Buzz, a credit to you when the list came out, it's almost exactly uh, almost to the T with the exception of a few that you had suggested. So, let's yeah. start off with the big news, which are the the players that they have declined options on. Yeah, the three that were we knew were going to come or more than likely were going to come were the ones who were on a buy situation. So, Philippe had already been reported, Andres Sicarte had already been reported. Um, Freddie Vargas was the other one where we were fairly confident he would be let go. I forgot to put him on here, but yes, he, he was the same thing. So those three were obvious. Um, Brassam was the one I said, he's the only center back you can get rid of a high price center, back you can get rid of. And they did. And Brian Acosta, we've talked about how he's blocking the way for the homegrowns. It's time to let him go. And they did. The surprising one was Johnny Nelson. But I think that just comes down to the fact that he was coming off a of generation Adidas. So he would have been on a senior roster hit. And with that level of back problem, you have, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but when you have back surgery and you're out like six months, you just have no idea whether he's ever going to make it back or not. So there's a risk there. You basically just didn't have a choice on him more than likely. So um, that's a quick synopsis. But basically, that was the only surprising one. I was, I couldn't believe, actually, that they almost lined up exactly with what I suggested, uh, really, because I, I was terrified they were going to re-up Brisson and Acosta and not let them go. So that, I was actually really pleased to see all that. So uh, do we care about the value financially that they've saved in these deals? I mean, Acosta wasn't cheap. He was he was sitting on $700,000, and Brisson was – where was Brisson in here? What was he running at? I'm well, Acosta now. was a DP, so that's big. Uh, Ricarte and Brisson were both relatively highly paid. Brisson makes around – for Yeah, and Ricarte was pretty high too. So there's a lot of op- cap opening up on those three guys alone. Um, and now you have, theoretically, now remember, Hedges and Faco have these numbers that are technically DP level, but they've been buying them down. They probably will do that again. So technically, you'll have two open DSP spots and two open under 22 spots. And they've just been raving about how they like that idea, too. So um, there's some room to move here and get some talent in if Dallas is going to go that route. So that's really fun to watch, see what they do. Yeah, I'm, if I'm doing my math right, it's just between those three players, it's just south of $2 million. Yeah, well, not to get nitpicky, but those numbers aren't exactly cap numbers, but it's a ballpark. It at least gives you an idea. Yeah, there's yeah. there's plenty of room to move there. Um, you know, and, and you listen, you have, um, I can't remember how many, but I think it's seven senior roster spots are open technically right now. Maybe it's six yeah. somewhere in that neck of the woods. And then a couple of homegrown spots too, because... Thomas and Celia are still on loan, and so is Colin Smith. So you got two or three homegrown spots because Pepe, if, if he stays, Pepe moves up, and Justin Chase is probably going to be sold. So you might have the availability to add four or five homegrowns if you really wanted to, um, which is kind of exciting too if you're into that end of the spectrum, which I, of course, really am. Uh, let me count. One, two, three, four. Yeah, seven senior roster spots. Even before you hypothetically sell Pepe, that's seven spots. So there's room to move and some cash and some slots available. So – they can do some business. All right. Well, Brian Acosta, don't let the door hit you on the ass, uh, or whatever that saying is. Um, okay. Don't now, kick options. The ball into the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, options again. Brian Acosta, the guy that scored a worldie on his first game, and then did he ever score again? I don't think so. Did Brian Acosta only score one goal his entire time with Dallas? 
I mean, that's a look, no, he had to have right. scored another goal, right? Maybe. This wasn't a worldie, I guess. Hold on, yeah. let me look. Because, oh, you know who else who has that? Uh, you, you know who else holds that honor? Andres Ricarte. No, his was even a deflection. If you remember. <laughs> yeah, it was a worldie from that one angle. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of a nice side 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 legged volley. It was it was a sweet strike. Two goals from Acosta. Great contact. It two goals from Acosta. He did score another one. Okay, yeah. well, good. Yeah. So out of your two guys, you got three goals. All right, yeah. kick ass. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Go team. Uh, on the uh, any surprises in terms of the uh, of the six guys that had their options picked up? Oh. Um, one surprise was that, well, not, I don't know if you call it a surprise. I was on the fence on Eddie Minjama, but I think once you dumped Nelson, you didn't have a choice. Uh, and then Nikosi Tafari was really exciting when we learned that he actually has two more options with that crazy one plus one plus one plus one contract. It's insane. But super good that they picked him up. Um, I was afraid they might do something dumb, like let him walk. Yeah. Because um, he's a guy, to me, That's a that guy should be a lock starter and just and you should be trying to figure out who to pair with him. You know. So that's that's those are both... One interesting and one exciting. And then everybody else remains under contract. Uh, except no, Zobek. Except for Zobek, yeah. Who yeah. is now, I guess his contract just ended and they decide not yeah. to rehire him? Okay. Well, I mean, they theoretically they could. You know, they, they do have, you know, they, they do need some keepers. So they, maybe they'll bring him back. But he is 31. So, you know, it'll, we'll see what happens with him. I mean, you know, it's not like someone else is going to sign him, I don't think. You know, maybe somebody in the USL, I suppose, but um, I, I think there's a good chance that he might be the third keeper again, unless something falls out of the sky for him. So the question that I have out of looking at this list, which intrigues me, is the idea that you've now blown out the two center midfielders that you were paying a lot of money for, but weren't getting any production out of, and what that indicates in terms of the club's plans for filling those midfield slots when you add in the idea that you're also in the business of trying to grow and sell talent you're also thinking about moving paxton back into the middle i hope or that way we hope yeah yeah exactly and you got to start thinking is the new guys is steve is going to play some sort of different formation that may change where everybody goes and that I, i that part i do think is pretty interesting to start thinking about yeah, if it dep- a lot depends on whether they keep Pepe or not, um, because that influences Jesus. Because if you keep Pepe, then where does Jesus play? If if this guy does play a bear halter four three three, because we talked about that with Jesus in the national team, like where does he fit in? It's really only as that false nine idea. So all of a sudden, does Jesus have to be a winger here? We already want to move Paxton inside, and we already think Sylvania clearly had beaten out Acosta since they let him go and cleared the way for Sylvania. You know, and so you still got Faco and Edwin playing as the six. You know, Cervania says in the eight mix, you're hoping Paxson's like a second eight, the double eight look. That's what you want. That's what I want. Well, then that raises all kinds of questions about if Pepe here or not here. Is Jesus a false nine? Is Pepe a nine? Jesus false wing, left wing, false wing is what it'll be. You know, like he does with the national team. Like the national team does, excuse me. Jesus doesn't do that, but that's what they do as a, as a group. Yeah, but um, see, I... It- it does make me wonder if Zanata's out shopping for a DP level midfielder. It's possible. It's po- it depends on whether you think Paxton can do it. You know, I mean, that's the thing, right? If, if you, 
if you think Paxton's the answer and you think Cervania's the answer, then you're fine. You just go with those two guys, you know, and you've got some, you need a backup probably in there somewhere. Nicky Hernandez has not lit the world on fire. So, you know, we're well, gonna, they, we have to wait really. Yeah. Well, they need, but they also need depth at those two wide positions too. They, you know, they can't assume Shun and Obreon are, well, I guess they probably think Obreon will play another full season, but you know what I'm yeah. saying, right? Yeah. Well, you, you hope, I guess you're hoping El Medicur progresses. I mean, maybe the plan is to put Jesus out there. You know, they definitely have some holes. I mean, like we talked about on the pod, you missed Dan and I talked about that um, left wing in particular, but wing specifically was the place that they could probably most likely make an impact signing because you want to move Paxton inside because you want, even if you wanted Paxton to stay out there, you still want a rotation with somebody in Paxton and somebody in Obreon. You don't want 34 games out of those two guys each. You know, you want shooting in the mix. Yes, but you probably need a fourth guy and you can't count on El Medcourt to be that fourth guy. Is it Jesus? Is it a new signing? Look, they got seven open spots, man, and two DPs. So, you know, we'll see what they're thinking. It's going to be fascinating to see how it goes. Because think about this. Like, if you think Paxton all of a sudden is maybe, like, super excited because he sees the way opening to go inside, and then you sign a DP8 to play that spot, he's going to be done mentally, you know. Yeah. Well, a question, a procedural question. If, in fact the hunts were considering taking buzz up on his idea <laughs> of just buying out Frank O'Hara. Yeah. Would they have had to have done that by that deadline date this week? Or is there, is that open to whenever they want to just pull that trigger? No, you can actually do it during the season. Um, oh, wow. Okay. You, 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 there's, there's a difference in, you can do it anytime in the winter and get full clearance. Now you have to pay for it yourself. Of course, that's the kicker. Is during the winter you can do it your, yourself and then clear cap and spot and everything. If you're during the end of the season, you don't get to clear the cap, just the roster spot. So you can do whatever you want to, but you know they still have all spring to do it if they choose to. But come on, man, they're not going to do that. They'd rather just eat the money, mm-hmm. you know, because the money's spent, right? So they're like, we spent the money. Why would we just get rid of the player, you know? Particularly if they're going to sell Pepe. Right. That's a, then all of a sudden, I mean, he did score seven goals. Now I listen, we all think he stinks. Right. But there's been many years where seven goals led this team in scoring Peter. And he did it mostly as a sub. Well, well, I'm not really saying more that probably, but, but Buzz, that also speaks a lot sure. more about the club overall and not the qualities of Frank O'Hara. <laughs> yeah. But if you got a guy who forget about the money for just a second, you got a guy sure. that scored seven goals in 20 something games that's not horrible in major league soccer, considering that he only started about 10 of them. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying oh, that like the chances that you can replace that with, with as bad as they have been lately on scouting, the chances you can get that back are not actually very good. Yeah. And the guy's a model pro. Listen, I, I can't stand the fact that he's so terrible, but it could be a hell of a lot worse. Frankly, seven goals is not, I mean, for that money, it's horrible. But if he was on 100K, you'd be ecstatic. Well, it also, you know, when you throw in the fact that, well, you probably warmed up to him more than I did, but between him and uh, Obreon, they had 16 goals this season. Yeah. Well, Obreon had better numbers than Barrios ever had in terms of goals, for sure. His assist one is good, obviously, but, you know, Obreon was better than Lamar, but in so many ways, for example. 
you know, if if you get if you if you take his last half of last season and you replicate it for an entire season, he's got ridiculous numbers. You know, because the first half he stunk. So did anybody take the time? I didn't do it. That's why I'm going to ask you guys. Did anybody take the time to dig through anybody else's rejected pieces and see if somebody was floating around now that would be a good fit for Dallas? There's a couple of good ones out there. Speak up, please, Dan. I can't hear you, sir. There's a, there's a couple of interesting ones out there. Uh, there's, there's Maxi Aruti if you wanted to have a repeat of anything. <laughs> sure, they did. They got him. Yeah. So the, the one that caught my eye the most, and you know I haven't seen him play this season to know if he's uh, still any good or not. But Balu Tabla, who uh, remember Barcelona bought him a few years, a couple of years ago, and put like a seventy-five million dollar or seventy-five million euro release fee, and then eventually they agreed like a buyback price with Montreal. Uh, they've actually declined his option this year. Hmm. Still only twenty-two years old, attacking midfielder. Did he do anything for Vancouver? Well, no, because he played for Montreal. I mean, Montreal, <laughs> excuse me. I, 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 I have no idea how he did this season. I, I, I was just looking through the list that MLS posted earlier. Yeah. Sebastian Legette might be available for trade. Not sure if he does anything for yeah, you or not. No, not really. I mean, where yeah, would he play on this team? I mean, you know, eight. He's a, he's a center mid and kind of a left guy. Yeah, well, I mean, that would be the Paxton spot if you're playing a double-eight look. I'm not saying that we should do that. I'm just saying that, you know, no, I think that's the name that's like... I, I think he's a legitimate MLS player. I just... See, this is why, when, when I go back, this is why I asked the question earlier about is Zanata out there looking for some sort of DP or near-DP quality foreign signing center midfielder? Because that's I'm interested in knowing if they're going to try to bring in somebody of quality to a buffer the center of the midfield and maybe even b provide some sort of leadership slash uh challenge to these kids because one of the things i do worry about with young players like this is the idea that they just know they're starting and there is no pressure on them um to really work for their jobs yeah it's a good question it, it it's going to depend entirely on how much faith you have in those guys because they definitely cleared the deck in there with both Ricard and Acosta gone, you know, everyone they could get rid of, they did, you know? So it's it just, it, that's, that's what it comes down to. Do you think that those two kids are good enough, you know, that, that, or do you go hunt? You know, it also depends on how good do you think Joe, Jose Martinez is? You got to fill your left back spot. You're at least a reserve. If not get somebody that challenges Hollingshead since he's going to be 31 in April. You got to think about, are you losing Pepe or not? Are you losing Jesus or not? You know, how much is Shun going to be gone? You know, there, there's a, there's some pieces here that have to be um, figured out. You know, Hedges doesn't have that many years left. You know, so there, there's lots of play. You know, how confident are you in Imatuamase? What if he got hurt and you'd have to go with Eddie Manjoma the whole way? Would, or do you need So you need a right back? You know, there's lots of pieces on this team. And where you spend your money is going to depend a lot on how good you think guys can be. You know, like, do you want, do you want to sign a million dollar eight and crush Cervania and Paxton's missile state? Or do you sign a hundred thousand dollar veteran to come in there and compete, you know, off of the rehab pile, you know? Hmm. I, yeah. That's interesting stuff. I mean, I, I, 
you know, the idea that this ends up becoming some sort of quasi top flight academy team where the guys know they play in week in and week out, I don't think is any is any better for those guys. And getting the starts is good, but there has to be competition for positions for these guys to really progress. Well, and so remember too I'm assuming that, they're Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I remember too that this organization churns out eights like they're an assembly line. And there probably are some DP8s that might be coming through potentially. And I know you think, not DP8s, I'm sorry, homegrown eights coming through. And you might think, oh, what's a homegrown going to do? Well, if, if he's going to challenge Paxton, that can be could be good enough. You know, if, if Nicky Hernandez can make a progress or if, you know, one or two of the guys that are in the 18, 19, 17 gap that are older than when Paxton signed, that might be legitimate, you know, homegrowns to come in and compete there. So, um, or, or maybe Thomas Roberts comes back in May. Thomas you know, that, that, that's a legitimate, I mean, he's, he's starting to play a fair bit off the bench there. Now they're bringing him along slowly, but the progression where is, is happening. Where is there that team, that team in Austria. Austria uh, I, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Austria, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so he's really starting to show there, you know, mostly off the bench, but, you know, they're trying to develop him because they recognize what a talent he is. You know, they don't have a buy on him, so at some point he's going to be back. You know, maybe that's the challenge for Paxton. So, you know, without being able to get into Zanata's mind, we're just sort of doing a lot of speculation until we see, you know, this new coach take over training and we and we sort of see where they, how much, we're going to find out how much faith they have in Paxton and Savania, aren't we? I mean, that's because that position well, just got yeah. real thin. It, it did. And, you know, it's it is interesting to think back at the beginning of the season when Brian Acosta and Andres Ricarte were playing pretty well. And, you know, we were having debates on the podcast about just how good they were or not. And now they're on the throwaway pile. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, and it's a position that is not necessarily as deep as it once was. And I'm assuming they're going to have to bring somebody in at least to bolster it. Well, the quality of that is what I is what I'm interested in. Seeing. Yeah. Well, I just had this thought. What if your coach that you bring in plays the same way that you play now? Let's say you're keeping Pepe and Jesus. So you want the double pivot. You want Jesus as that 10 and you want Pepe as the nine. Right. Well, all of a sudden I got a six and a single eight. So what if the single eight spot is just Paxton and Zervania? And then all of a sudden, well, it's not yeah. as shallow. It's only if you're right. a double eight that it's really shallow. If it's only going to be one, you're probably fine. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. No, that, that that totally makes sense. Well, I would. I think my reaction to all the changes is they cleaned the roster up about as well as I think they probably could have. Yes. Um, based on the situ on each everybody's individual situation. Certainly, there are players I wish they would have gotten rid of and tried to replace, but contractually that just wasn't realistic so um the resulting uh cleanup i think is about like i said about as good as as all of us could expect right yeah the only way to jettison some more salary and more old guys would be if you know an expansion team decided they could need a piece or somebody that's really really bad wants like a piece that they could you know try and bolster their team you know like if miami needed a center back or or a six or something you know or a forward to be a leader or something you could see Maybe they might bite on some money that's to you is not it's crazy money, but to them is like whatever, you know. That, that, that there's still some chances to move them guys out, but they did enough. You know, the fact that you could bring in ten guys right now uh, is remarkable. That's a pretty big clean out. 
Well, it really does set the stage for 2022 to be the season where the spotlight is on Andres Zanata doing his job well. Because I found the perfect transfer for him. Oh, yeah? Who's that? Raheem Edwards, uh, who gave uh, FC Dallas a little torrid time when they played LAFC fairly recently. Uh, For some reason, he's on there. Um, You know, plays left wing and left back. His uh, salary hit was $96,000 this year. Just 26 years old. Uh, he's kind of like that kind of guy that you want to take. You wouldn't mind taking a punt at if uh, he doesn't get a new contract offer. There you go. Well, again, it's the year that we put the spotlight on Mister Zanata to do his job. Yeah, well, we I think talk he's... about no one at FC Dallas ever. You know, they they do really badly with those kind of intra MLS transfers. Yeah, no one ever has. Uh, experience and and that kind of seems like the sort of guy that you go for who is kind of at the still at the start and end of their career a little bit well kind of coming towards their peak and could do a job i mean it's kind of funny looking around some of the releases today you've got a lot of a lot of uh those late 20 guys uh and early 30s being jettisoned ethan finley's gone uh, uh uh nick delay on those type of players toronto amazingly uh Letting Ayo Akinola's contract run out somehow. Hmm. Well, I, I would love to see the club uh, spend take some sort of run or risk on somebody that's already played in the league. Again, I'm going to go back to what I just said. This is the season that Zanata's got to do his job. The spot. I I do feel like that guy has floated under the radar for the last couple of years for whatever reason, and now everybody needs to focus on whether or not he's doing his his role correctly or not. That's my that's that's going to be my 2022 theme. Yeah, we've we've been talking roster problems since the preseason of this year, so it ought to have been on him. Uh, certainly, we had our eyes on him before now. So, um, um, now I know Buzz that they did a whole bunch of uh, roster stuff with North Texas, but the one thing related to that that I did see this week was the fact that a former North Texas player, Dame, uh, Damus, scored twice in the USLC championship game to lead his team to the trophy and everybody wanted to know wait is he coming back to dallas and because suddenly clearly as a guy that can score and he's young and vibrant and i have a feeling that's not it maybe that's uh, all things being equal that doesn't necessarily mean your mls quality no um a year ago now i have not seen him play in a year so a year ago i was totally convinced that he was not he's very one-dimensional it's all speed which is fine but the decision-making in the box was really bad. His goal-to-shot ratio is not very good. Like He's the anti-Pepe in that way. Um, but, again, speed kills. You can't teach that. So the, the kid is out of contract. You know, it was mostly Lucci who didn't think that he was the guy to – that Damas was the guy to go to the next level. I'm sure the other people in the organization felt the same way. They did have him in the academy – you know, they had him for a good four year, three or four years here to run the rule over him and they passed. So the likelihood that he would come back is pretty low. I would have rather they kept Cal Jennings, frankly. But, um, you know, sure, it, it, that relationship would depend a lot on whether when they sent him to USL, whether it was uh, we think you got a chance, but you need a next step. You know, if you do good things, we'll be in touch, you know, or if it was like, thanks, kids, see you later. You know, that'll go a long way to determining whether he would be interested or not. I don't know that he gets you 
I mean, if you don't like Obreon, you're not going to like Damus. <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah. the same, maybe worse. Wow. Okay. You know, in terms of soccer uh, tactical team concepts, Obreon's like a he just goes. I'm sorry, Damus just goes, you know, and kicks some balls in the net. Um, he does score, but it's a poor ratio. So, so he's you know, it's a very repeat pattern. Ball over the top, runs kind of slightly down the right, shoots across the keeper, saved, 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 saved. Oh, that one went in. Wow. Yeah, okay. listen now. If you if you played a deep, uh, you know, low block and counter, and you wanted a guy to come in and blast it over the top eight times in ten minutes, you know, I mean, I mean, play counterattack over the top. Not he would blast it over the goal. He would not blast it over the goal. He blasted it right at the keeper. Um, I mean, that could be a guy for that. But if you want to actually play like Dallas organizationally plays, which is this attempt to build and possess and ticky-tacky and, and press and all that stuff, Domus is not your guy for that. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, and then I'm sure we can talk about North Texas next week. Is there anything in, like a, uh, of huge importance that we need to throw out here about that? Well, most of the really exciting young guys were under longer term deals. The one that jumps out is Blaine Ferry, who they picked up the option on because he was phenomenal over the back half of the season. And again, he's an eight. He was the solar guy, right? He's the solar guy that went to Firth in Germany, and then they didn't carry him forward, you know, past, what was he, 19 or something. Right. Um, who knows why? But he's been phenomenal since joining North Texas. Shows a lot of ability now. You know, are there reasons why he's in USL and not at MLS? Of course. But his progression... Since he returned, like every game he got better and better and better, and they picked up his option. He's the only option they picked up. Again, he's an eight. So I'm sure that's all part of all this. You know, a guy who maybe could be MLS good. I, I think he needs North Texas for one more year, uh, and we'll see. So just that was the one that was interesting and jumped out was Blaine Ferry. Okay. And how much did we all enjoy that the curse of the supporter shield struck once again as oh, I know England you would... <laughs> loses on PKs to NYCFC? I knew you were going to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't help but think about that. Chaos. Playoff chaos. Playoff chaos. Yeah, they have been fun to watch, that's for sure. Although, man, watching Nashville blow the penalty kicks four in a row like that, can somebody explain to me why why Walker Zimmerman is fourth on the PK list for Nashville? Confidence. Maybe their coach doesn't assign it. Maybe it's whoever says they're up. Don't you remember his penalty against Seattle? Okay. Well, hold on a sec. This is a really good uh, – And maybe – Okay. Because I went back and looked up uh, both Mule and Zimmerman's PK record professionally in MLS. And, and at least on whichever – I think it was on FB Ref – the two of them together, after 275 starts, combined for one penalty kick, and that was won by Mule. It didn't have Zimmerman's penalty kick in there, and I had forgotten about the 2015 one. It's not regular season, probably. Yeah, I, I guess mean, it would shoot out, so it'd only be in-game penalties. Well, I, I be, the, the fact that between oh, the yeah. two of them, none of them had taken a penalty kick except the one from Mule earlier this season. I just thought that was weird that they were so early in the lineup for Nashville. I would I would assume they had better PK takers than those two guys. But I mean, I, I will say, like from when from, from like FC Dallas training when they do the penalties and stuff, uh, and just the close finishing. Walker Zimmerman's finishing is absurd for a centre-back. If he wasn't the height he is, he would be a forward. Absurd in a good way. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he blew the one that he got the opportunity on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He did an Acosta. He and Mule both uh, took them quite poorly. Uh, wow, that was crazy. I'm, uh, um, I'm enjoying the chaos that Real Salt Lake is causing. That's fun. You know, just watching them upset people. That's always, you know, chaos. I like chaos. Well, do you like it when they do it by not attempting any shots on goal in an entire game? Well, no, I, you know, the game itself may not have been great, but I, just the idea of like this team that barely got in is now upset all these teams. Two and, teams, you know, right. yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, Even that's coach still and everything. Yeah. I mean, that's all fun. You know, Seattle losing is always fun. Number one, the shield winner losing is always fun. You know, that yeah. cheer for if Dallas isn't in it. Then I like craziness. <laughs> you like craziness. Yeah. Yeah, you won't like to. You wouldn't like all this craziness if it was happening to your team. But when it's happening no. to the team, other teams, yeah. or especially teams you don't like, you love yeah. it. Watching Seattle bash their forehead against the wall of Salt Lake that night was fantastically entertaining. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it was Real Salt Lake doing Seattle's favorite trick. I mean, the only <laughs> team to win an MLS Cup without having a shot on goal. <laughs> Payback's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> That's for 2014. <laughs> it, may t- it may take some time, but when it does, it sucks. Uh, okay, well, uh, I guess I, uh, I guess we can all just hope and pray they don't end up playing MLS Cup at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, who do you guys like of who's left? Portland, Portland. Real Salt Lake, Philly, and New York City. Yeah, man, I you know what? I I I think New York plays really really good soccer. I enjoy watching that team play. I just am absolutely uh aghast at the concept that they may end up playing it at Yankee Stadium. I think that would be a, a travesty. But if they ended up ha- getting to go on the road and play like at Portland, I think that would be a really entertaining game. Well, they have just, to go to Philly, don't they, right this weekend, so that'll be, you know, a tough road for them through Philly. Just agree not to want either Eastern Conference team to win because that's another team that would move ahead of FC Dallas in the uh, list of MLS Cup winners. Mm. Well, all I care about is not being the last original of the 10 clubs to win an MLS Cup. And with uh, New York's success, they kept it in New England on the list with them and the Red Bulls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're good. Yeah. As an original, Dan, I'm telling you, that's far more important to us. Okay. Mm. Also, Philadelphia's fans are just fucking unbearable. <laughs> sure, but not Rudy. Dan, are there any win? fans on any other MLS <laughs> clubs you really like? Uh, SKC when they're not crying. LAFC, uh, Portland, uh, Minnesota, Cincinnati. There's a few. There's a few. Okay. All right. All right. Very good. Portland uh, is right. such a great. Portland's such a great example of the 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 big game players that they have, you know, that can now they've lost a couple of them from injury, but they always have these guys that just rise to the occasion. It's amazing. That crew. Diego Valeri's done absolutely nothing, so I fully expect him to like bag yeah. a hat trick in MLS Cup. Yeah. Blanco did got it done last time and then blew out his flip flop. So maybe it'll be Larry this time. <laughs> it's flip flop. Yeah. Stepped on a pop top. Um, all right, John Mellencamp. Uh, anything else we need John to cover? Mellencamp? Yeah, it was very John Mellencamp sounding, like sucking on a chili dog. Huh? It's Margaritaville, dude. Oh, sorry. Had to cruise on back home. Booze in the blender. Pseudo oh, no, Come stop, on. Stop, man. stop, stop. Please stop doing that. Don't oh, do man. that on this. 
Don't recite those lyrics on this podcast. Please don't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's going on? I, I, I don't this know. This is disturbing. Buzz is reciting um, Jimmy Buffett. What's his Jimmy Buffett lyrics? Yeah, Margarita. He doesn't even do the concerts in Fresco anymore. Because the guy blew out a flip flop. That's why I'm doing the lyrics. We've really bogged down. Anything else we need to cover so we can put this thing? <laughs> no, just end it here and now. Snuff it out. Put the pillow over it and kill it. This All has right. been the final episode of Further Greater right. Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Dan tried to cut last week short to like ten minutes twice. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard. Listen, I listened to last week's all almost two hours of it while I was decorating the outside of my house for Christmas. So, uh, you guys did a good job. Uh, it was. It was is, good. is heard, your house like you... lit up in red and white hoops? No, definitely not. It should no, be. We have we have a, a quasi nativity scene made out of uh, the toy the uh, toys from the Island of Misfit Toys. So there you go. Mm. So Mario right. Diaz is in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't forget, kids. Soccer ninety is your source for all things FC Dallas national team and international club gear. They got all kinds of stuff. If you're thinking about Christmas gifts, this is the place to go for all your soccer-loving family and friends. They got jerseys. They got scarves. They got stickers. They got T-shirts. They got everything. And because you're a third-degree listener, use the code THIRDDEGREE at checkout, and you get 25% off your entire pie when you check out at Soccer90.com. Dan, thank you for uh, all of that. Stuff. Thank you for yeah. making us sound professional. I don't. Last do week that. was a mess. Ooh. No, it was fine. You did great. You did super good. Uh, and Buzz, uh, f you for reciting Jimmy Buffett lyrics. Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to tell you that uh, our merchandise will be on sale basically from now until like a few days before Christmas. If anyone wants some, there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. You, you have a new a newer shirt, don't you? Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, there's just the Peppy. I brought the Peppy nine back since he switched to nine with the national team. Brought that back. No, oh, okay. But I do have one coming. I have one of our patrons wants to uh, do a shirt. He's a graphics designer, so we're gonna whip something up and see what we come up with. All right, cool. All right. Well, thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. We will uh, speak to you. We are doing one next week, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. We'll speak to you next week on episode 140 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hey, the bloody old Nico Estefes. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast.